This year, I delved into something I've never delved in before, which is a little piece of Torah that's always troubled me, and that is Sarah's laugh. I know I've read books on it, and I've read Midrashim on it, but every time I get to it, I still feel there's nothing strange with her laughing, like we laugh all of the time. I don't know why there's such a reaction of the rabbis to her laugh, so I want to explore that a little bit right now. We know, as the Torah says, the Avraham, the Sarah, Zekenim, and Avraham and Sarah were, were old. Ba'im, Bayamim. Coming, well, I'm going to talk about this later, but advanced in years, coming into years. Chadal, Lihiyot, the Sarah, Orach, Kanashim. Sarah had stopped having the periods of women. Batitzchak, Sarah. And Sarah laughed, Bikir Ba, into herself, within her. Lay more, and that thought was this Achare Beloti, Hayatali, Edna, Radonizakim. Now that I'm withered, am I to have, and the word Edna probably means period. Um, so now that I am older, am I to have a period, and my husband is so old, or it could be read, whether it's a pun or whether it's just a difficulty of translation, Edna could be read as enjoyment, like in the Garden of Eden. So either now that I'm withered, am I to have a period with my husband so old? Or now that I am withered, am I to have enjoyment, presumably during, not presumably, during sex with my husband so old? So I find Sarah's laugh rather understandable and actually rather easygoing. She's hanging out, she's making this food Avram told her to make, and she's, yeah, 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 right, baby, ha, ha. As they say today, as hilarious. End of the matter. If this were an episode of Friends, we'd all be laughing along with her laugh and probably a laugh track because it's not even all that funny, and then we just keep going. So interestingly, the rabbis find the moment very, very serious. The laugh is repeated in Sodom when the sons-in-law refuse to believe Lot about the destruction. So for Sarah, the rabbis take it that the laugh is not, oh yeah, 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 I'm really, this is really gonna happen, but rather that she's laughing at somebody. She's either laughing at God and at God's expense or at her husband Avraham and at his expense for after all, they focus on that little piece. It's my husband who's the old one. Again, if it was an episode of sitcom, we'd be like, eh, not so funny, but okay. And instead they're like, no, notice that. Sarah laughs Bikir Ba internally, or one could say Bikir Ba in her kishkas. One could even be a little Hasidic in saying she's laughing in the deep inner place, Bikir Ba. And God hears from that deep inner place that she's gone. Many of the rabbis take this, her laugh, as a moral failure to see divine providence. It's not funny at all that a woman who should be a prophetess, they write, can't recognize a prophecy right in front of her eyes. And so maybe they allow, so maybe it's because she wasn't right in front of her eyes and she overheard it, so we'll give her a pass. And Avraham, after all, got to see the men directly, so we solve it that way but she surely seems to be an affront to God. The rabbis also take it as laughing at Abraham's expense as well. Rashi, and really most of the others. Sarah laughs at having a period, or perhaps laughs at having sexual pleasure when her husband is so old, 
And so therefore they notice that when God reports this to Avraham, God doesn't say, yeah, why is Sarah laughing and saying you're so old? God says, why is Sarah laughing and saying she's so old? So that as Ramban spells clearly, it's a case of the mitzvah Shalom Bayit, which is God's trying to keep Shalom Bayit because Sarah is making fun of her husband and you shouldn't report that. And we got to keep everybody happy and therefore changes the language to say it was, she said it was about her. For any woman who has gone through perimenopause, all of this sounds all too familiar. What if this story is actually reflecting that reality? Menopause is normally defined as the stage after 12 months of no menstruation. Perimenopause comes before that as an extended period in which the ovaries are producing hormones irregularly, often accompanied by mood swings, all variations of periods. Period could stop, the period could come back, Sarah, and often accompanied by a dryness that makes sexual experience unpleasurable. Again, reflecting the verses I read from Genesis. So what if Genesis is describing this period? Sarah is having inconsistent periods. We'll put, her, we'll put the age aside. All the, don't pay attention to ages in the Torah. Sarah is having inconsistent periods, is experiencing physical symptoms that make sex suddenly unpleasurable, and in addition, is speaking her mind. No wonder Abraham is outside the tent during this brutal heat wave, anxious for the company of some strange men. In what is absolutely an amazing article, I can never remember any single article I've ever read that is as funny as the article that appeared way back in the Atlantic in October of 2011 by Sandra Tsingalo, in which she gives a review of Dr. Christiane Northrup's famous tome, The Wisdom of Menopause. In that, she describes as from the book, today, women between the ages of 44 and 65, let's say Sarah is in there, which is what I think, they are the largest demographic group. So it's no surprise that Northrop considers menopause a major cultural event. She cites this story. A woman once told me that when her mother was approaching the age of menopause, her father sat the whole family down and said, kids, your mom may be going through some changes now, and I want you to be prepared. Your uncle Ralph once told me that when your Aunt Carol went through the change, she threw a leg of lamb right out the window. This is Christine Northrup. Although this story fits beautifully into the stereotype of the crazy menopausal woman, it should not be overlooked that throwing the leg of lamb out the window may have been Aunt Carol's outward expression of the process Bikirba, the process going on within her soul, the reclaiming of self. Perhaps it was her way of saying how tired she was of waiting on her family. Remember what was Sarah's last command? Yeah, you got to get in the kitchen and do some cooking. I got some guys I just found outside, right? Maybe, so maybe it was saying how tired she was of waiting on her family. And is she signaling to them that she was past the stage of her life where she was cook, chauffeur, and dishwasher? For many women, if not most, part of this reclamation process includes getting in touch with anger and perhaps blowing up at loved ones for the first time. And here, Sandra Singh O comments. 
what the article and what the book is saying, what the phrase wisdom of menopause stands for in the end is that as the female body's egg producing abilities and levels of estrogen and other reproductive hormones begin to wane, so does the hormonal cloud of our nurturing instincts. During this huge biological shift, our brain, temperament and behaviors will begin to change. As then must, alarmingly, our relationships. As one Northrop chapter tells it, menopause puts your life under a microscope. And the message, painful as it is, is grow or die. Last year, my sermon on Lech Lecha about Avraham was entitled Change or Die. It's still available on my podcast site because it was based on a book of the same name, Change or Die, in which I adored. I suppose that makes this year's sermon about Sarah grow or die, the meaning of the laugh. The rabbis, all men in case we've forgotten, I know we haven't, see Sarah's change here very negatively. Where is her optimism? Where is her moxie? Where is her listening for God's providence? Where is her compassion? Where's her supportiveness? But Northrop's point is this, is the real Sarah the one of her period? Or is the real Sarah the one afterward? From the male point of view and that of many women, the real Sarah is the former and the morally and spiritually challenged one is the latter. For Northrop, the childbearing Sarah is the one hyped up on hormones. And those hormones make one put up with all the crap they've been handed in their role for the past decades. Remember your career hopes and dreams? Well, now do you clean up after the toddler throws dinner all over the floor. Have sex with your husband regardless of your motivation. Put up with the middle schooler who thinks they know better than you at the age of 13. And if you still have a career, do it all with a miraculous balance. And if you're really, really struggling, we don't really want to hear about it, but we'll allow you the self-indulgence of an occasional therapist visit or yoga class, as long as you can manage the rest. The extra hormones are a boost, the book is arguing, that somehow gets you through these years. And then there's perimenopause. Like Sarah, you suddenly go into yourself, big kirba, and you realize, I don't want to do the childcare anymore. Now, Sarah does not have a child, but I want to keep this in mind. I don't want to do the childcare anymore. And especially, I don't want to do it in this way, just because I'm supposed to. Or you're there like, and, and that's going to apply in a moment. Or you're there like Sarah, told to go into the kitchen and do some baking for your guests because your husband just invited them over and you're supposed to say, Oh, thank you for your kind words that I still look a little like I did 10 years ago. So kind of you to say so. Here's the food, please compliment it. So maybe the rabbis are right that her laugh is not the laugh of good humor, but shows a critical and fed up temperament, an unwillingness to keep playing the game. But while they see that as a loss, perhaps it is a game. Promised earlier to talk about this, this phrase of coming into the years. Ramban Nachmanides comments on verse 11 here. What does this mean coming in years? Well, it means as we know, you're older, but we say that a young person is said to stand in their years, but one who has gotten older is said to 
come into their years as a traveler comes into a new town. I find that comment fascinating because to me, it's almost like saying, like Dr. Northrup, that what if it's after in perimenopause and in menopause that you come into your own rather than you experience a loss? And what if it is, like Ramban says, coming into a new town, into a new territory? Sarah maybe is a traveler in this new territory, as is Hagar, and I'll point that out in a bit. And she's coming into these years as she comes into her own. Interestingly, Professor Naomi Lakish at the Jewish Theological Seminary in Pastoral Education sees something of this in the experience of Hagar in our parsha as well. Whereas Avraham Lech Lecha went into himself. I mean, in biblical language, the, sort of the, the shot, Avraham was told to go for your own benefit into the future, to set out. But spiritually, Hasidically, it can mean to go into yourself, to go understand yourself, and therefore express it in your behavior and life. So Avraham's command to go to his deeper self meant going out into the world, wanderlust, adventure, career, making your way in the world, traditional male, uh, traditional male gender role, right? But often we overlook that Hagar, when she goes out into the wilderness, it says, Vatelach la. And so that we often don't translate the lach there, but she is doing this in that moment of despair, that she has Ishmael and she's giving up. And so what if, rather than she's to be blamed, what if in a way, as Dr. Professor Lakish says, that during a crisis, the roles of caregiver and care receiver often break down. Even should they survive, in this case, they'll be living in poverty. And remember that in the earlier version of the story, she does not give up in this way. She is running away and sitting down, but there's no mention of this inward turn and of this despair. And what follows the inwardness is a return to childcare. And in this case, alone. I wonder if Hagar was still menstruating in the first story, and what if the second version where she's experiencing again being cast out, being in the wilderness, this time she's like, I'm done with my role, rather than she is to be blamed for giving up on her child. Maybe it is a moment of clarity. Dr. Northrup says, as a story where the doctor says wisely, to a woman, to the, this, the, the parade of women going in to talk, have their conversation about their symptoms. Dr. Northam says, the doctor once said wisely to me, I think it's useful to get your hormone levels tested, but it's far more useful to tune into how you're feeling. To me, go inward, lach, than to focus on a lab test. A lab test, after all, just gives you a single snapshot of an ever-changing process. On Rosh Hashanah, I said that it's a shame that Sarah, who has experienced the miracle of childbirth, cannot find the deep compassion for Hagar, but instead sees her as a rival. But if we look at the story from a different angle, as one with an entire dimension about perimenopause, then her attitude to Hagar could be seen as coming from the place of a consciousness 
that doesn't have time for the drama, including the inter-female or the inter-family or the inter-office politics of the 20s and 30s. Just as coming, in, coming to yourself at this time of life means throwing the dinner out the window, not you know, saying, you know what, to your spouse, just go ahead and dress yourself, wear whatever you want. And saying things like, you know what, we've been spending all these years going to your parents' house. If you want to spend Thanksgiving with your parents, it's fine with me. I'm, not, I'm just not going to be going anymore. And in that way of coming into yourself and saying, I'm not going to be playing the games I played before, and I'm giving you notice and do what you want, Sarah is saying, it's her or me. I don't have any patience for the dynamic anymore. Looking at the parsha in this way, I see the laugh in a different way, of course. The men are going to see it as saying, you're losing your good self, the self of this middle stage of life where you're able to do, somehow you are hyped up on hormones, according to Dr. Northrup. And so on that hyped upness, you are putting up with all of the responsibilities and roles we're giving you, and you're doing it with such grace, and we're all taking you for granted. And then the laugh signals, I'm done with all of that. And then maybe, oh, now we've got more for you to do. We're gonna go, and, and you're dealing with the symptoms of perimenopause, and you're like, you know, the men, maybe even God, is saying, it's okay. We'll send you back to that place for your own good, and you'll be so happy. Maybe it's not such a happy thing, and maybe that's the male point of view. Maybe the laugh is like throwing the lamb out the window, and it's saying, I've come into my own, and I'm done serving all of that. So what Northrop taught me, or at least it gave me a way to see or try to understand, is what if entering that stage of life is not a loss, that we feel sorry for people. But what if the hormone state was the artificial state? And then this is coming to your own as who you really are. You see in the story of Hagar and Sarah an invitation to perhaps think wisely on a very challenging subject. Shabbat Shalom.